Welcome to the Hallmark Cafe. I'm Michael. And I'm Diane. Come on in. Your table is ready. Well, welcome to the cafe. Welcome, welcome. We are so excited and we're hungry. We are. No, we're hungry for what this, this, this is a really special episode. It is, yeah. It's a special interview with two, I don't know, call them just major, major players in the Hallmark universe. I know. For making movies. Yeah. And uh, I don't know about you, Michael, but I was just in awe talking with these people. It was really fun. It was really fun to hear all the behind the scenes stories of how a Hallmark movie is made. And about this particular movie, An American in Austin, which we just loved. That's right. And I have a feeling a lot of people love this movie. I think so. I mean, watching the comments on online, and I mean, people love this movie. So we get to talk today with Veronica Brown, who is co-founder of Purple Crayon Entertainment. She executive produced Retreat to Love for Hallmark a little while ago. And then, of course, An American in Austin. And Claire Niederprom is the director of this movie. And she's a name you've probably seen on a lot of Hallmark movies as a director. Especially the good ones. She's she's one of our favorites. <laughs> the ones that make our menu. We call her the queen of the destination movie. A lot of her movies she's made over in Ireland or over in France. And I mean, you know, the, I guess when they have to go out of uh, out of the country like that, they that that's who they call. Yes. Get me Claire. And uh, what are some of those movies? Well, there's A Pinch of Portugal, One December Night, Her Pen Pal, Love on Iceland, and Holiday for Heroes, just to name a few. And it's almost like a commentary on a DVD. They yeah, share so true. many stories, uh, some of them very, very funny, about how the movie was made. Yeah, and Cla- Claire's going to talk about uh, some of the shots she made, you know, how things were set up, and this and that and the other. And, and this, uh, now you know, we here at the Hallmark Cafe. Michael and I love to get into the weeds we of do. production. However, this one was just enough for us and then a whole lot more for people who don't necessarily like the weeds, but they love to hear behind the scenes stories. Right, right. So, And so you're going to love this this uh, today's episode and I think we should get right to Let's it. Let's head for the table. So here we are in the Hallmark Cafe with Veronica Brown and Claire Niederprom. We are so excited to Absolutely. have you both in the cafe. I hope you're hungry. Thank you for having us. Veronica, let's just jump right into this. So you were brought, I think, from HBO and Bloomhouse. Is that right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I started in kind of traditional TV, a premium TV, and I was brought in by an executive at Hallmark who landed there during COVID times uh, from FX. So she and I knew each other from early, early days in premium. And she brought me in to really help her with her goal, which is to kind of elevate what already is, you know, a great, great audience and just kind of elevate the material for them. I think the thought process is it just Hollywood, traditional Hollywood has created Hallmark into a genre, which isn't really fair because what Hallmark is actually doing is just making feel good rom-coms. And I think we've gotten kind of stuck in a mold and there's ways to really elevate that exact mold and feed the audience, you know, more nutritious meals, if you will. Um, And so that's what she kind of brought me in to do. And that was kind of my specialty. And it just, it's been so much fun. Well, we're certainly glad they did because as we've seen over the past many years, Hallmark movies have just 
kept they just keep raising the bar and expanding and bringing in different stories and uh, you know we've always liked Hallmark movies and we're just so glad that now it just brings in more people everywhere in the industry is copying the Hallmark model by trying to make you know five million and under movies that feed an audience that just constantly can't get enough and so they're recreating that but they're not elevating the quality they're just kind of making the budget bigger and the reality is if you kind of really elevate the the page and really create these characters you're you can do that without impacting the budget there's no reason that it can't be we can't really focus on three-dimensional characters which is what i think we're really hungry for as well well i just want to say that We've noticed this because every now and then we'll watch another movie on another network and they just don't know how to do it. I mean, they think they do and they say, oh, it's just this and it's just that and you put it together, but it is not, it is nowhere near the quality. And I think a lot of it has to do with the personnel that make the movies. First, it starts with the story, but there is a definite brand model that no one can really copy because I don't think they understand it. I don't it's think truly, really it's the Hallmark special sauce. You're absolutely right. I think that there's people that can bring in their expertise into the Hallmark brand and work within the brand. To me, I found it the most exciting challenge, actually, because it's really difficult to make a Hallmark movie. You shoot, a, and, and Claire will speak to this, you shoot a movie in 15 days with $2.5 million. It's very difficult. And you know, that's why we're so proud to show American in Austin, because we did that in 15 days for 2.5. Now, that is interesting to me. So, so Claire, you started, I think your first movie was Holiday for Heroes. Is that the first Hallmark movie that you did? That was my first Hallmark, yeah. Right, and it's after you'd done the the feature. So, did they bring you in because they had uh, seen Little Women and and wanted to, to capture some of that? Yeah, so I started off uh, in independent film, really, was like where my... My upbringing was, which is kind of why Veronica and I make such a good pair because we come from from different sides. Um, but they complement each other. And and I did a little indie. It was a modern adaptation of Little Women. And um, an executive at Hallmark saw it and decided to kind of take a chance on me and give me a Hallmark movie. And it's actually really hard to get into that world because they are so loyal to the people that they love and the people that they hire. And it's very high quality people and high quality artists. And so once I got, I was really nervous, like during Holiday for Heroes to be like, oh my gosh, this is my chance. We'll see how it works. (laughs) Uh, But that movie went really well. And I've had, obviously I've done a bunch since and very much feel a part of the Hallmark family now. Because when you were brought in, there, there were a couple of women who were directing, but not really what we have now. Now it's really taken off with so many women directing. It's fantastic. Yeah, if it, it could be more still. Yeah, could be more still, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was probably one of their first um, consistent female directors. And, you know, it's most of... I don't know if most of Hallmark audience is female, but probably it, it is. I believe it's overwhelming. It's, yeah. So I think it really is. I mean, who knows? You know, everyone's capable of it all. But I, but I'm lucky to be a part of that, and I'm and I'm so happy to see that it's growing in females behind the camera. And this is something that Claire, I notice when in your directing, it's like you have a way of bringing that character, whether it's male or female, but especially women, you have a way of directing sort of from the 
inside out because you understand the I get maybe it's motivation I don't know I'm not a director but uh, I, I don't know exactly where that comes from but does, does that make sense to you that there's a way to that you see women and you know how to bring something out that is true about women I mean I hope so I hope <laughs> I hope I'm doing that I'm trying to yeah I mean look it's it's uh I love working with actors and I love characters on the page as well. And I think when you can combine those two things and you understand what makes an actor motivated and what makes a character motivated. And then if you can kind of marry those two things, that's kind of where you get something special. Um, And I think like the inside out is very true. I think things feel flat when the director or the actor doesn't understand where this character's, um, intention lies in any scene. Um, and I remember learning that early on as a director is you have to know what, what character is motivated by in every scene. Not only do you need to know overall what every character is motivated by, but every scene, even if it feels just like a transition scene or something to get from A to B or a, you know, a small conversation at a coffee shop, it's really crucial that you understand well, what are they trying to get out of the scene and where are they in the story? And that can never, that that always has to be at the forefront, I think, of how you go about directing a scene. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, in a Hallmark movie, because you know your audience is more, is predominantly women, that maybe there's a bit of, when you're directing a man, you want him to be the kind of man that women are everywhere will fall in love with. If you were to do like a true inside out from a guy, I think it would, I don't know. I don't know if it would work as well as a romantic well, comedy because. Can romantic. I offer something here being a guy? Being a guy, go ahead, jump in say, there, Michael. Uh, I think, you know, <laughs> for me, I like watching Hallmark movies because of that. I like seeing men in these movies, um, having that side brought out of them is I think something that we need to portray more of in our society. <laughs> I think that's exactly right. I mean, that speaks to generally the fact that, you know, art is reflective of society and society reflects art, right? And so that's absolutely true. And I hope that, I think, I truly think that part of the reason we have such a loyal fan base with Hallmark viewers is that it's just a safe space. You know, you you know what you're getting, which is why Claire and I specifically and everybody who works at the network are very protective of what we expose the viewers to. We want to be, we and why we do these things because we want to connect with the viewers. We want them to be happy and we want them to feel that this is a community. And I think we did that same thing on the set. I mean, Claire and I really worked very hard to create a set environment where it was free for the talent to play and explore and kind of really exist in their characters. And, you know, not to toot our own horn, but I, the, the cast is incredibly close. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that it was rare to have a two women who are five feet tall, by the way, five feet, five one, I think we're both <laughs> uh, we're the exact same height. We're very petite. And we ran the set, you know, in, in Europe. And that was a really fun way to kind of bring this to life because it, it forced a completely different environment. It yeah. was just safer. It was just, it was more loving and, and more playful. That's the part that of the movie people don't see. You know, how you run a set, how you, whether it's just a few people or a big crew, how you create that environment of feeling safe, comfortable, and, and then creating a place where people can really explore and, and bring out their talent. 
So I guess well, this, this would be the time we should talk about the movie. Should we? Yeah, go, I let's think talk so. about the movie. Well, before we, I mean, not before, but as a kind of a precursor to this, Claire, uh, we, you know, your movie, your adaptation of Little Women was phenomenally successful, really. I mean, you had a $250,000 budget. Is that right? Uh, I think we were up to more like four. Okay. So you got more. Oh, that's a relief. Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's my favorite. I feel so lucky that I got to do it. And, you know, it was the first thing I directed. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but (laughs) I surrounded myself with the right people, um, which is the trick. So thank you. That means a lot. The the reason I bring that up is because it is, uh, it's focused on women. And um, the the era that you put it in was more of a modern day area. But um, when you think about it, there's kind of a connection for me between Pride and Prejudice and uh, Little Women. It's I I mean I wonder when you were doing this movie, did that did that occur to you that there was a sort of a connection between that type of storytelling uh, between yeah, the characters? Absolutely, because you know female authors of of the 1800s, you know, obviously they weren't quite contemporaries, but uh, close. And they just wrote, Louisa May Alcott and Jane Austen wrote such dynamic female characters that I've always kind of been fascinated by that. And I actually didn't come into loving Jane Austen until probably even after Little Women. Um, But I've I've always loved the story of Little Women, that the dynamic of the four sisters. And obviously Jane Austen writes a lot about sister relationships and friendships, female friendships and all of that. And so I think that, you know, they really were like the pioneers. Those those female authors were the pioneers of writing the female voice in a very nuanced way and not writing them as as stock characters or, uh, you know, one dimensional. And so, of course, I'm drawn I'm drawn to to all of that, and now I'm a true like uh, Jane Knight through and through. So <laughs> you're gonna be <laughs> like attending. I'm trying to get Veronica on board too. She's getting there. <laughs> you, you guys will be keynote speakers at you know different Jane Austen fan days and things like that. Could That's be true. Actually, though, it was amazing because I I know Pride and Prejudice really well, and Veronica doesn't. But that actually was very helpful for the film because we needed to make it for people who know the novel well and and uh and for those who don't who don't yeah that was one of my questions what a, that's too. such a challenge so yeah. uh but speaking of like your directorial style did you feel like in little women you kind of i mean obviously you you kind of grow and you keep um expanding the way you do things but i'm thinking directing that was that was a big cast that you had to deal with and most like the hallmark movies um, like some of the ones you've directed, uh, what was it? A Pinch of Portugal, One December Night, one of my favorites, by the way. Um, her Pen Pal, which I just rewatched a little of it last night to refresh my memory. I was like, oh, yes, I love this one with Mallory and, and uh, Sass, who was, you know, I mean, gorgeous. Come on. Uh, I'm still here. Holiday for Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, a lot of these Hallmark movies are two leads and a, and a, a smattering, if I can say smattering, smattering of, is a good of, word. Of, of supporting actors. And, but this one, the, an American in Austin, is more like Little Women, where you have a huge cast to deal with, and, and not just background cast. They, a lot of them have very prevalent roles in this. So did you feel like you were leaning on the things you learned then to be able to do this, uh, this now in this movie? Yeah, and you know what? I love it. I love... 
I love having large casts. I love having scenes with a lot of people. I mean, you know, it's definitely easier practically to shoot a scene with two people, but I think it gives such energy to the movie when you have more characters. And it's so fun for a director to give the, give some of the supporting role, like, okay, you're more like this or, you know, or someone's going to, Lydia is going to have this prop in the background. And it's that it's, it's some of those little things that you can give the side characters that really, I think, add to the life of the piece. So I would always choose to, to have a bigger cast because I also think it makes, it gives the actors more energy too. Like, you know what it's like when you walk into like a family living room and it's loud and it's chaotic, but it's so fun. And you, you like, you feel all of that energy and all of that joy. And I think that comes across when you get to film sisters or families or, or that kind of thing. And then it makes the intimate moments between the two people, you know, even more impactful because it's quiet. So I would, I, I love shooting groups and, sisters and And if I can add some context to that to make Claire look more impressive it's it's (laughs) that much harder with such a big cast when you're shooting in 15 days because coverage takes time Mm -hmm. which is part of the obstacle with this we had a huge cast 15 days of shooting is bananas costumes hair and makeup when you realize how much time is left in a day to actually shoot the scenes and get all the coverage you need because you need to film everybody doing their the scene yeah right she did it exceptionally well. Like the fact that we are able to get the reactions that we get with people, she really did give this this movie so much life, just making sure we call her the coverage queen because she gets so much coverage, she gets so much footage, and it just makes it so easy to play in the editing bay. So let's talk about, uh, I guess, the movie you shot in Bulgaria and Ireland. Is that correct then? Yeah, and, yeah Bulgaria, Ireland, Sofia, uh, and Varna in Bulgaria, which is a flight away. So that's a whole day of travel. Right. So did and you shoot all the uh, Ireland uh, footage first and then go that? Which way did you go there? Uh, we went to Ireland last. It was exteriors were in Ireland and Bulgaria was basically all interiors. That's what I figured. Okay. okay. Yeah. And I guess a lot of Hallmark movies are a lot. I don't know how many, but uh, are being shot over there. So they must have a good access to crews and We've got an amazing, we got to call out uh, Jeff Beach uh, with UFO. They are an incredible production company and the talent that they have in house in Bulgaria is insane. Um, So we're very, very lucky that, and they can shoot anywhere. So, right. So they can put that together pretty fast for you. And then uh, Ireland as well, because Claire, you've shot in Ireland before. So. Yeah. And Bulgaria as well. And I love it. I love that crew. I love how, how quick they work, how, how seriously they take the work. Um, and obviously like having beautiful locations as a director's dream, it makes my job so much easier when you just have these gorgeous palaces and mixed with the Irish countryside, like <laughs> it's definitely, you know, it'd be my fault if I messed that up <laughs> for sure. And well, Jeff Beach locked most of those locations before we even set foot in Europe. So he was, he had been scouting forever, so we also got really lucky. So he saved us a lot of time in that way. That's great. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, the uh, it must just be like a huge puzzle. I mean, it must take. I mean, who does the planning for this, Claire? Is it you with the producers with Veronica? I mean, how do you plan out what shots you're going to do, where, in what order, to get them all together, so that then you can put them all together in the edit? Yeah, I mean, it's it really is a tight puzzle, especially with like limited 
time like we have. But yeah, it's me and Veronica, Jeff, our producer. And then we also like our first AD, Desi, who's our Bulgarian first AD. Uh, with her and our cinematographer, we all sit in a room for a long time and be like, okay, is this going to match this? Is Are we going to be able to work this out? And that all happens during prep. Um, and it really takes a long time and it takes people who are experienced to figure out if like it's doable. And then a few curveballs get thrown to you during production, but usually you have enough of a buffer room to, to make things, to change up things. Like for example, when we were shooting our interiors in Bulgaria, it was actually almost still summer in Bulgaria. So we'd sun every single day. And then you're like, oh my gosh, this is cutting directly into someone walking outside and it could be pouring in Ireland. Well, we just kind of have to take that risk and do our best on the day or hold for an hour and see if we... Because you, you had, you had no that. idea what was going to happen when you got to Ireland. I get it. Okay. No, yeah. I did. Yeah. I'm lucky exactly. though. Yeah. And well, also, you know, you work with your production designer too to do things that really help. Like okay, we'll, we'll put this curtain on the inside and then we'll bring it to Ireland. We'll put it on the outside. And it's these little things that like, you know, we would only notice, but it adds to the flow of the film because your eyes then are like, oh yeah, that's the same place, you know? So there's little tricks like that, that we do a lot. Well, and the other thing that we had to do because this movie was shot in 15 days, we actually in real time in prep were, I mean, we rewrote the whole thing. So we rewrote scene after scene after scene, but this movie was essentially written in prep. So wow. because it, uh, no, I understand it wasn't, it actually wasn't a comedy when it started, when it began, it's, it's it Genesis. more like a, it was, it, I think it was more down, just down the middle. Um, we ended up part of the reason just production for production's sake, we just had to kind of change kind of how it was housed by making her uh, a novelist and also creating this, it's a it's a tight rope to walk that I don't think a lot of people realize to keep Eliza Eliza's character Harriet um, likable throughout and not you know I don't want to spoil anything but um, you know you really run the risk of of having her kind of play two guys and that's not really who she is either and part of the part of the effort of making her three dimensional is really giving her reason reason to explore, reason to need these things, reason to search, and then co uh, coming back home. And all that, I, th I think what we did, and I, I hope what we did, um, is really give her kind of a backstory that explains a little bit and why she's searching still and, and why she kind of ends up where she does and then how it turns into something that actually helps her grow as well, a person. The, yeah, the movie has a really good message about about that, which that of course, the if hope. you see yeah, the movie, was... you really get that message. Now let's let's talk about the casting because the casting was really critical in this. How did that, give us an in, insight into the process of how you cast this movie. Well, can I just say we got really lucky because originally this was during the strike. So I think we casted a movie with talent that I don't think would have ever in a million years taken the, the smaller roles uh, so we were stacked with talent and that like just they're the best cast ever. So we, we were very, very lucky. Um, yes. And, and Hallmark has, you know, Hallmark has um, obviously they're a big part of the casting process as well. Um, and then Veronica and myself uh, basically, you know, we watch tapes from the UK. We were casting all out of the UK um, except for our lead Eliza, who was already, part of the film. Um, 
and we would just watch tapes and we would make our lists and then we would send it to network and get their opinion. And it was just kind of, and honestly, for this one, it was really about creating that family was the most important thing. Um, so we went there and then the men were kind of second to casting <laughs> the sisters. Um, but we, uh, yeah, we felt like we, we got so lucky with, you know, cause when you're casting off of a tape, you can, you hope that your instinct is, is correct. And most of the time it is, but sometimes it's not and you go with it. And shout out to our executive, um, Laura Gaines, who is kind of the, the commander in chief on this project. She's, she championed, she bought this project originally. She championed it through Hallmark. Um, this was, this is super high concept for Hallmark and she pushed it through. It, uh, had no business getting made quite frankly for this budget. Uh, we made it happen, but it, it shouldn't have. And, um, she, you know, she's truly, you know, leading the ship, uh, from, from Hallmark's perspective. So, well, you know, we, we, after we watched, uh, paging Mr. Darcy, we realized we'd never watched or read anything, anything. Jen Austin, nothing, nothing. So we, we immediately (laughs) binged the, the BBC, uh, Pride and Prejudice. So I'm, I'm looking at your movie and I'm thinking some of the scenes in your movie look like they could be in the BBC movie. I mean, yeah. the, that's how good it was. In fact, I enjoyed the, the scenes with the dancing more in your version than the BBC because it, there was something very real. It made you feel like you were dancing with them. I don't know. That sounds crazy. But with the BBC, it was <laughs> yeah. such high concept, such film, uh, you know, perfection. But I, I felt it was a little... I don't know, inaccessible a little bit. You know, it was like, it was beautiful. It was like a painting. It was gorgeous. But with your movie, it was all of that. Plus, it made me feel like I was in the room. And I don't know how you do that, but that is a skill that is, I mean, that's a gift. Well, I want to speak to this specifically because Claire, my husband reminded me um, yesterday, actually, when we were looking for a director for this project, I was, Claire was, I played one of her movies and I kid you not, it was a, a minute and there was a tracking shot she did and I was like, she's our girl. Like, I just, it was such a unique thing for Hallmark. She's all movement. If you watch anything that she does, she's a movement director. And for me, that was such a priority for this because of exactly that. And I love that. I love yes. that. Yes. That's, that's great. That's great. Speaking, well, I'm, can I just going to say back sure, to the dancing? I'll let, I'll let you talk. No, because you were talking about the dancing. <laughs> I got to say something. Uh, but talking about the dancing, you know, it Husband just, and wife. How did you, Husband and how wife. How did you work that? <laughs> how did you work that choreography out so quickly in your short time frame to, to teach all those dancers and all of that? How did that work? Well, I really pushed for that in prep. And, and that was one thing that I was in a way like a, a little probably difficult about, but I knew to be difficult about it because I was like, we have to have rehearsals. We have to have a proper choreographer because when we get to the day, that's what these balls are. It's, you don't have, you don't have anything else, but the dancing is what creates that whole space. And honestly, that's, that's what we dream of when we think of Jane Austen. That's what we miss, right? Is like, oh my gosh, going to a dance, having a a man ask us to dance and knowing the dances and all of that, that's so much a part of this time period that I was like, we have to have it down. And so um, (laughs) so our producer, Jeff, was finally like, okay, we'll get you dancers, we'll get you a choreographer. And I think we had three different dance lessons uh, leading up and then threw our cast into it as well. Mm -hmm. 
But it was also a lot of the background dancers really create that space, you know? So even if our actors weren't, it, like they didn't even need to be as good as as the background dancers. The, the, they, they were. were. They, by the way, they were. They were. Our, were. Our cast was incredible at it, but we had professional dancers in the background. Yeah. 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 Right. And so they, I and- knew. I knew that if we could get that locked in, and everyone knew when the dance was, that I could film it. You know, I was like, if you set that up, I know that I can set up enough cameras to get that feeling. So give me that and the beautiful location and between my DP and look, my DP is so great. Cause Veronica's right. I do love a lot of movement. I ask for a lot of movement and a lot of DPs sometimes resist that because it's a lot harder to light. Um, and so I, I appreciate it because they want to make everyone look good and it's harder to make everyone look good when the camera's moving. Um, but he's so experienced that he was willing to like, yeah, let's do it. Let's that's try. Uh, Alexander Krumov, right? Is it? Yeah, boy, who's amazing. We've seen some of his other movies that are made he's over there. Amazing. Fantastic! So the, he was. This is probably this so is talented. the best one. Yeah. I mean, L- this and is let's really talk good. about yeah. the lighting just for a second because you were dealing with the Im- the the illusion that there was no electricity. So you right. have all, a lot of candlelight, and it looked so beautiful. It did, and it wasn't obviously just candlelight. So how in the yes. world did they do that? Unless it a was. lot, of, there was a, a lot. lot of it was exclusively candles. Wow. Wow. We actually did a lot of candle lighting. In, in fact, there's a scene that Sasha was really, he really didn't want to do in this location because we couldn't use real candles. I mean, I'm telling you, the talent that we have in Bulgaria is just unparalleled. We're, we amazing. got so lucky. It was such a group effort. But Claire and her movement, I mean, you should have seen the, this tiny little woman just going through with all these men with Camerons. Just <laughs> How many cameras did you use in that, in that scene? In the two, dance scene. Two. Just two? Because it felt like they were 50. So, yeah, and, and by the way, the movies cut so short. We had so much footage of dancing. Oh, I hate gosh. that we, we can't stick it all in there. I mean, you could have an extended cut, you know. I mean, yeah, no, when yeah. are they going to do that? That would be Yeah, there's, there's, you know, we do. <laughs> I mean, not to get, yeah, not to get into the nitty gritty, but if you want to, like, we do shoot with two cameras, but then a lot of times we'll, we also had steady cam and we utilize that obviously a lot with the dancing. Right. And so what we would do a lot of times is make sure that we get all of the beats of the story that we need. I think we did this on both ball scenes. So we'd make sure we get all of our characters, like the important emotional beats. And then if we had time, even if it was like 15 minutes left to the end of the day, we would throw on the steady cam and just keep playing the music and let our wow. steady cam just go in between because it's those little moments that and he I mean when you get a good steady cam off it's like it's just a dream because they feel the movement of the dancers and they become like one of the dancers and so that was something we really utilized well that as well. is a great segue into the music we were able to interview Jerome Leroy uh at the end of last year about the other movies he's made for Hallmark. And he said, well, I've got this other movie coming up. I can't tell you about it, but you're going to like it. I mean, Jerome's so talented. He really, he, he made everything fluid. He wrote most of the cues. I mean, he wrote all the cues um, and he actually records them. And, and he's amazing. He's really amazing. Hallmark cafe is brought to you by us, the Killins. Visit thekillins.com to hear singles and tracks from our albums. And look for Diane's single tonight, I'm Gonna Fall in Love with You. Our theme song. On your favorite streaming platform. Remember, that's thekillins.com. T-H-E-K-I-L-L-E-N-S. I know that I'm in your heart right now. And I know that I'm on your mind. 
I'm ready to get back into the cafe. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess we could call this dessert. I think it is. Yeah. So let's go back in and uh, pick up our interview with Veronica Brown and Claire Niederbrum from An American in Austin. All right. Uh, Claire, when you're working with actors, what are you saying to them? What what kind of, can you give me an like an insight into some of how you motivate them to do certain things or uh, it's a lot you... of yelling. <laughs> <laughs> mostly mostly screaming in their face as much as <laughs> withholding Violating foods and gestures and <laughs> like no food for you until you do this right. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> um you know, I, I always feel like it takes about 24 to 48 hours to understand how com- to communicate with an actor and the way you communicate with each actor is different. And it's really just, it's even in, because you need to understand a language. So certain actors want to do a take without their own way. And then you give them notes, right? And some want you to give them notes before and kind of lead them into it. And so it's really about me being open to what makes them feel comfortable and then us coming together and figuring out uh, what works. But the truth is, like, you do as a director have to have the confidence to say to an actor, can we try it this way or this isn't quite working, let's do this, no matter how experienced they are they are and the truth is if you're coming from a place of because of this story in this script and like to me the script is the bible and like on this we had such a beautiful script to work with so as long as you're always your notes are are always grounded in like for the story for the character this isn't like a personal thing we never make it a personal thing we never talk about how an actor looks we never make them feel self-conscious about something they do it's more just like trying to manipulate and both of us feeling like okay we got it and you know with some actors like with eliza for example i would i would only need to even be like halfway through a sentence and she would get what I was saying and then we would go ahead and try it you know and then with certain actors you have to stand there and talk through it a little bit longer but it's really just like understanding what their personality is and their approach to to the art and then you being like okay well uh let's try this and it's always just about let's try something it's always about like yeah, let's see if that works. Or I I think what would work is this. And I usually go in and I say, okay, so guys, this is where I see you entering. This is where I see you going because that's my job, right? But I never want it to be like, you have to, right? If it doesn't feel right, let's figure out something that feels right. And sometimes you have to put your foot down and be like, no, give me one like this. And if you have the respect of the actor, they will, of course, try it for you. Um, So it's always, as a director, I feel like you always have to come in with a plan always and know exactly where your actors are going to stand but you always have to also let them know this is a free space and i want you to bring what you're bringing to the character and then we get there and the truth is you have to get there pretty quickly um so sometimes you do have to be direct and blunt but as long as i mean it's really also coming from a place of just look this is all hard we're all just doing our best to try to get to a point where where we don't feel like we're messing up um So, yeah, so it's really about, like, understanding their language and then adjusting my language to what works for them. Sorry, that was a very long-winded. No, it was excellent. Now, there was, because I wanted to bring up, this leads me into my my observation of a few things, um, because I wanted to know, okay, there's the famous, for me it's famous, it will always be famous, double head tilt. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? The point, <laughs> yes, the point where the two younger girls are talking about dressing oh. Harriet and they go, well, you're much more, you know. Oh, like, <laughs> just, it's so funny. I don't even, Veronica, was that yeah. you or was that them? Who did that? Who it did was that? Them. It, so Erica Ford, and she is, she brings so much to Kitty, but they, again, it's the chemistry of the cast. There were so many little things that just organically happened because they just felt you know, their characters and the, the chemistry was so real that they would just kind of do things. And, and again, like sisters. Credit, yeah. uh, now they the, understood what movie they were in, you know, our actors understood what movie they were in. And so then they felt like, okay, we can, we can try some things. And sometimes Veronica and I would be like, no, that's too much. You know, there's a lot of that, that no. And that's for us to kind of make sure. And then that- sometimes we'll be like, go harder, do that. You know, there's so many things organically that happened, like the moment where Eliza gets hit in the face with the door uh, when Jane runs through. Yeah. That actually was a, a thing that happened accidentally. It looked like it. <laughs> and we we're like, oh, my God, that's so funny. You have to, we have to do it again. So we made her get in the face with the door multiple times. And Eliza, to be fair, Eliza is even funnier uh, you know, just in real life, like she is just the funniest person she ever. Was she just was just perfect in this movie. She's Never incredible. She's an eye actress through and through. My God, those eyes deserve an Oscar. Yeah. Um, but no, she's truly a crack up, but she's so game. Like there is, that was part of the thing that was so cool with all these actors. They were just down to play yeah. and that was really fun. It she felt like a, what she was really game as a, actor maybe she's really game as a character she was just like she's in this thing yeah yeah well there was one scene where i i noticed uh when she came in and she said well i took the jaws of life to get out of this corset (laughs) of course there's another conversation but anyway she comes in and and has the bedroom you know uh before before bedtime scene and then when she's leaving she starts to leave and then stops and says oh i need the candle because there's no lights anywhere and that was such a little thing but it was so perfect because her character would not automatically think i need a candle and because she's used to electric lights so was that her or was that that was eliza that was eliza yeah and we had it we saw her do it so so claire and i are behind camera together and so we're always talking it's like claire and i are so close um and so we'll just immediately see something have her do it again or do that and um it's it really becomes a very fun creative process um, and so that was when she did accidentally and Eliza, as she did it, knew it was funny. And so she, she kind of offered to do it again and we kept it. There's also the great dinnertime pea soup scene. Yeah. I mean, shooting a dinner scene is always tr- tricky as a director because of eye lines and like moving the camera around. But once you've done it, you're like, it's just about getting the coverage and making sure that you're getting everyone's reactions. But again, like our cast was so in it, they, they knew their moments so much and and we knew like in this in the grand scheme of this movie this needs to feel like a moment of mostly just reactions where the rest of the script is is very vocal is very verbal you know so it was nice to have that juxtaposition everyone's Um, reaction was so real and it was like it was they did such a great job. Every every character just brought in their individual personality of the character. Well, I gotta out. say, I am from the UK originally. I'm from a Scottish family. We we moved to California when I was a little boy. But my mom always kept making the same food that we would always eat. So we had a lot of pea soup, 
And the pea soup in the movie that you it looked like it was really it green. It was really like, green. Wow, that's really pea soup. <laughs> it could have been, could have been done that. in post. It probably because like it's too green, but they said it's just peas. It actually, <laughs> yeah. So it was literally, uh, it was literally peas ground out and poor. Oh my god, poor Nell. So Nell plays uh, Elizabeth. Oh, she had to really eat it. Actually cleaned her plate oh multiple times. We were constantly refilling oh it. That poor girl. Oh man. I, I'm shocked she didn't throw up. But uh, Harriet again, had the best job. Harriet had the best moment. Being able know, to just yeah. make that face, ooh, it was just hysterical. Dinner scene's not fun for an actor. I don't know. No, no, no. They they uh they know how to cheat. Though, like I remember working with Alan Leach, who was in a Hallmark movie of mine, and he's from Downton Abbey, and so obviously yeah. they filmed dinner scene after oh, dinner yeah. scene. I remember seeing like the tricks we would come up with. Like you always go for the bread because it's like easy to hide, and you know, like they, <laughs> they know if you go for it, you have to go for it every day. You keep having to go yeah. for it. Oh man! Oh, oh that pea soup story. Oh man, yeah, that's was, a good story though. That was, that was She's still probably still trying to get over that. So yeah, yeah for, <laughs> for now, I'm telling you, they were all just such troopers. Like no complaints. It was just such a great set. I wanted to ask you, Claire, because you've worked with horses before. Yeah, they did have a very nice set of uh, matching Frisians for the carriages. Basically, this is what's lovely about like shooting in Ireland is like there's a carriage guy and he's the guy and he's the guy everyone goes to in and around Dublin who has all of the period carriages and yeah. the horses. And right. he he also you dress him up as the carriage driver because he can have else is going to drive you know, yeah. much easier yeah. than if you have to put an actor in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but those horses are so, they're so beautiful really to were. film. I just feel lucky. But of course, like any animal, it's like, it's a living, breathing thing. You can't just like prop them where you want to be. Right. <laughs> um, geese, which by that. the way, Claire did insist on. Claire was like, I want geese in the production meetings. And guess what? She's got geese all over. <laughs> oh, that's great. Can't work. You can't, yeah. <laughs> and it really adds to it. It really does because you yeah. want, you know, geese are, everything is, um, it gives you that feeling that you're back in the past, which is odd because you're not really anywhere because it's a book. <laughs> you're not really going to a place, you're going to a book, but it seamlessly enwraps you in this feeling of being in a, a different time. And yeah. it's sort of a dichotomy because on the one hand, as a woman, you know, um, and Austin wrote about this all the time, women were second-class citizens or second-class something, uh, and uh, they couldn't inherit. Uh, they had different uh, rules and regulations of being a woman. And so, but yet you still felt like, oh, I could go there. <laughs> Why is that? I know. It's one of those things that I think, I mean, and that's what our story is about, right? It's better in theory than it is in practice. Like, it sounds so lovely to go back to Regency time and have these handsome men in cravats, like, talk to you. And then you put on a corset and realize how the world views women. And you're like, <laughs> actually, I'd like to go back to the future because... Yeah, <laughs> and then at the at the end of the, I just want to add one more thing about the the scenes that you that you shot at the end of the uh, Regency era uh, shooting that you did, where it's music and each oh, everybody's doing shot? their yeah the the, the, the all one, one shot, shot. yeah I thought that was great that was beautiful and what it made me Blair. feel I don't know if I got this right but it seemed as if no one was looking at Harriet anymore she was already kind of leaving stepping out yes. and so that was really interesting because it was like her she was letting it go or they they had let then you really see that this is a space and time that really has nothing to do with Harriet it was really interesting yeah, the did, way you did that yeah and they didn't need her anymore 
you know, it's yeah. like, she's and she there. didn't need them. Yeah. Exactly. Do, you, do you have a really fun story about that, that scene? Well, okay. So we were filming that scene. It was my birthday. Um, I think we, we, so when you're shooting a one or everything has to obviously be timed perfectly because you're not giving the editor anything to cut away to. That's the point of it. That's why it's like, it's super fun to do. We can't always do it on a movie like this, but we try to get a few in because it's beautiful and it's high. Anyways. So, but you know, it's like, it's choreography. It has to be timed. And so you have to do it a lot of times. And um, first time we did it, it was like, okay, it's not good enough. And then the second time we started to do it, and our actors who play Bingley and Darcy start yelling at each other aggressively. And they get in a, they start getting in a fight. And we're watching at monitors and I'm like, what is happening? And then uh, Toby, who plays Bingley, storms off set. And I'm like, I look to Veronica and she's like, what just happened? <laughs> and I follow them out. And they have a cake and they're singing happy birthday for oh. me. So stage the fight to like give us, to give me a cake and sing happy birthday. <laughs> I will tell you when my heart dropped, because if you've ever heard like actors yell at each other, it's like the worst feeling in the world and it's never anything you want on set. Oh, no. And it was also so out of characters for these. these <laughs> they're the sweetest like, guys in the world. Men they got you. But, they, but they're wonderful actors, right? So they sold it and they had this whole fight planned and Veronica was behind it. She knew that it was like, she <laughs> that knew that. Was, well, look, you can't shake. Claire's so focused on set and we just wanted to get her off her game for five seconds. By the way, we have the shot. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and so they are such, they truly are such wonderful actors. Nick was getting into character all the way before. Like he was, you know, he was starting to get aggravated early on. It was really, they really set the tone. And poor Toby, who, again, these guys are the greatest, most loving, sweetest guys ever. They were suffering to even, like, thinking of of making Claire mad. But um, Toby was so, didn't want to make her upset. But it's like, just trust me, we're, we're going to just do it. Uh, and they they did it. And it was it was really fun. It was really funny. And we have it all on video. So oh I don't my, know if that's great. Well, I that's that amazing. makes it to the screen sometime on YouTube. A birthday, so you, won't for, you won't forget that birthday, so. Yeah, because no, it's, no, it's it's not so like funny. it's not like they could have said, "Oh, come out here for a minute," because you're totally in the zone. They had to yeah, really, really break is. it. Yeah, yeah. That's we have to funny. traumatize her. I mean, <laughs> I wanted her to cry, but you know, well, yeah, she had to get it every time. I didn't cry. I more just got mad. Like, why are they crying? Why are they? Crying? I know. It was like, God. that is so funny. Well, well, anyway, that was still a great scene. I mean, really obviously, was. that the way that that uh, you you describe it, she's kind of leaving the story and going. She goes back. That was really great. It was really. Beautiful. We just noticed that right away. I said, "That's a, just a beautiful thing with the it's music." Like a dream. You know? Everything was just yes. great. Yeah. Yeah. It, I like. I really can't say enough uh, good things about Claire and what she did to really bring a lot. Like we, I truly mean this when I say my husband and I rewrote this in prep. He rewrote it. I just kind of was there for the story. Um, and in five days, and it was a fever dream. Be, you know, we, did, we, we didn't know how this was really going to translate, but we kind of had this idea of what it'd be. And for her to read it and, and truly get every single level and every dimension of it and understand how to translate that 
with cinematography is just is so incredible and it's the reason this film is so dimensional and looks as expensive as it does it's fantastic it's really really it's one of the standouts of i think all time that's fantastic so can we talk now you've you've shot the movie we're in post-production uh, so you go into editing uh you have an editor and that was uh, Gary M. B. Smith was the editor, and so yeah. what? So they, the editor, is creating a cut as you're going along, and then you get to see it, Claire. So what happened when you got to the editing room? Yeah, so they have an assembly ready for me, uh, and I always feel like I'm going to throw up every time I go in to watch my movie for the first time. But I think every director and producer knows that feeling uh-huh. <laughs> because all your mistakes are right there, you know. But I did feel like, okay, we have a movie. This is good. We can make this work. Uh, The editing process was longer on this one than most Hallmarks do. And I think it's because it was so comedy-based that, um, and Veronica knows, it was like really uh, taking a frame out here, adding a frame back in there to make those jokes hit as much as we wanted to. And I think like, I know I speak for myself, when, when you're cutting comedy, you really learn a lot about like, what works and what doesn't. And you kind of have to play around with it. You know, let's, let's give this a little more air. Let's take the air out of this. And how does it work? Um, but I knew, we knew we had all the footage. Like I know when I wrap a movie, if I have everything and I kind of know what scenes I'm light on. And so, you know, going in kind of where the problem areas are going to be, but then there's always these beautiful moments of like, Oh my gosh, that worked better than I even thought. Or there's those moments of like, Holy crap, what are we going to do? <laughs> and Veronica can speak to Post as well because she was obviously there every step of the way. I bet there weren't many of those in this movie, though. I'm just betting. They may, you know, they probably stand out because, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> well, see, they're not going to tell us what no, they are, no. so they won't tell us. No, <laughs> no we'll, we'll always see them because we know, like, yeah. we wish we had five, five extra days. Um, there's some scenes we spent an hour and a half on that should have been three days. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, look, the editing process on this one was very, very tricky and truly not ideal for this size of a project because it's very difficult to cut down a movie like this into 83 minutes. Um, 83.50 is like what we have to kind of deliver at, which is really rough. So obviously we didn't get to let it breathe the way I think if anyone who was involved in it would love it to breathe. But that said, it, I, I were really happy with how it came out. And we, the script was so tight. This is why I always talk about how necessary the script, because people don't realize that Hallmark movies are paint by numbers in some ways, right? Once you get the script, because of the 15 days, you have to get things in certain time periods. Like you don't have, there's no rollover time. There's nothing to, you don't get to pick up scenes again. So once you have the seat, the, the script, it's it's got to be locked. It's got to be clean. And it's, it was really tight. So if you drop a line here and there, you lose something in this movie, which made it really tricky to edit down. So, right. hmm. Well, you made a movie that does not look like it was made in 15 days. No, so. that's true. Thank you. And I wouldn't it be nice, though, to see... A lot. There ex- was a lot of crying. <laughs> I'd like to see an extended cut. Recover extended for a month cut. afterwards. I'd like to see an extended cut of about maybe 110 minutes. That would be really <laughs> I good. I mean, like... You're like, more dancing, yeah. more dancing. Um, she just wants to see more of Mr. Darcy. 
Uh, no. <laughs> oh, it was a Nicholas Bishop so great. He was, and now he yeah. joins the you know pantheon of other Mr. Darcy's. So That's there you right. Go. In, yeah. in an actual not Pride and Prejudice movie, but it's interesting. <laughs> and on the page, actually, that character is even more outlandish than he managed to be on screen. Um, we toned it down a little bit in production for, <laughs> for, for the sake of filming in 15 days. But uh, it's pretty fun. Well, I love the scene where he goes across the table onto the chair. That little moment there, that was that was Got, clever. Yeah, in the library. Then he trips out the I'm door. I'm glad he liked that because that was one of the scenes that, like, he, uh, two as, hours on. As I, the director, wanted to, like, I, you know, I wanted four more hours to film that because <laughs> physical, physical comedy, you want so much footage, you want to try it over and over again, and all of that. And we didn't have, we just didn't have the time. We also didn't um, have any more chairs. <laughs> So he actually did the stunt and he broke three chairs. Oh, that's funny. A couple of them twice because we had to glue them together because we were out of chairs. <laughs> Hopefully they weren't, they didn't belong to the estate. <laughs> the estate chairs. Just, estate. Like I'm probably going to get a chairs. bill now that I've said that. You just say sorry and okay, what are we filming tomorrow? <laughs> we just quietly backed out of the room. Yeah. I mean, there's so much work that goes into making these movies. People don't realize how hard it is to make a movie and it's just the greatest and it's so it's so exciting and I was saying this to my husband where we were listening to your podcast and I was like you could hand me an Oscar in 20 years and I guarantee you the feeling will be the exact same as hearing the podcast because you know the stakes change obviously but that's what it is it's about the connection with the audience and it's the fact that we had something to say and we wanted it to resonate with people and we wanted that connection we that means something to us. And for me, the only nerves that are around, you know, this movie premiering are, I want people to feel seen with it. And we want the audience to feel respected with this different movie that we've done. You two are like, uh, like sidekicks now. I mean, you're like, you're like <laughs> yeah. a duo. Look, we're Mary Kay and Ashley for the Hallmark world. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Behind the camera. You look exactly alike too. How does that happen? Yeah. <laughs> get that See, a lot. No one will know because, you know, it's a podcast. It's they're hearing it. They're not seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope to see you guys making another movie together soon. So and oh, I hope, we will. I have have, yeah, have your people together. call our people and let us know when you are, okay? Because okay, I mean, no. our people look, is me. Anytime but. we do anything, we're happy to come on. It, I, we love that you guys do this. It's such a positive thing and your voices are so soothing it truly made our days oh, to hear so much our movie so we just we thank you so much and please keep doing it because it is a connection point between creators and audience and viewers and it's really really important it means more to us than i think we can explain and and we take it we also take the audience's feedback very seriously and to heart and for better or for worse, but it helps teach us how to do our job better. Well, thank you both so much, and uh, we look forward to seeing what comes next. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. Well, that was so much fun talking to those two amazingly talented and gifted women. I, I know. It was just... It was like having the best seat in the house, being it, here at the it cafe. It really was. It's Even the wait staff was, was standing know. around watching and saying, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody got their coffee the entire time. I know. <laughs> uh, so we're ready for pie now. But we really had a good time. And they were so generous. Veronica and Claire were so generous 
to uh, share all these stories. And and I just can't wait. I, I want to sit down with them again and talk about more stuff. I mean, they really, truly love what they do. They love movies. We love movies. We hope that if you're listening to this podcast, you love Hallmark movies. That's why we're all here. So it was yeah. just a great... Uh, combination of time and talent. And we didn't get a chance to talk a lot about Jerome Leroy's music, but uh, we just we have some exciting news on that front. Too. Yes, his score for this movie is now available on his website, jeromeleroy.com. Uh, if you listened to an earlier podcast, we had an interview with him last uh, just before Christmas. And if you're really interested in how music is made for these movies and how it's done, go back and listen to that one because he just he also shares so much of what yeah, he does. that's true. So. And I think that's a common factor with the, these Hallmark, um, the, the family of people that yeah. make these Hallmark movies is that they, they're kind of oversharers in a way, yeah. which is great for us <laughs> because they're, they're so willing to take you with them on this journey because they love these movies so much. And they realize what a special gift it is to be able to make yeah, them for the, for the network. So. That's true. So we just want to thank you all for tuning in today. So don't forget... If you wouldn't mind, go to our Apple podcast and leave us leave us a review, uh, or five stars, or both. Uh, give us a follow on Instagram. We really appreciate that. I get excited every time. There's one more. There's she one more. She does. Yep. You know? yep. And and don't leave us because I get really depressed. She does. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we lost one. <laughs> so uh, I mean, we also have a Facebook group. So there's lots of ways to stay in touch with us. But most of all, keep listening. We really appreciate that. Exactly. So that does it for this very special edition of the Hallmark Cafe, where love is always on the menu. Hallmark Cafe is a copyrighted program produced by High Horse Productions. Our theme song was written and performed by Diane Killen, and the Hallmark Cafe illustration was created by Daniel Killen. Be sure to find Hallmark Cafe on Instagram and check out our Facebook group.